Welcome to Check the Program, a podcast by four sometimes arts journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage and decided to do something about it. I'm Melanie Trompoover. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe, and today we're going to give a recap on the Spark Festival, which just wrapped up. We're going to chat with local performer and puppeteer Ingrid Hansen about her, ex- well, not really about her exciting new project. We're going to hint at it. We're not allowed to really talk about it. Stop secret. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, some big artsy news in Victoria over the last few days. And then, of course, what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. Uh, let's start with Spark. I think between all of us, we saw pretty much all the major shows at Spark. Yeah, I would say so. Which is pretty remarkable. (laughs) That's great. That's great. So I saw the two Mama shows, uh, Good Morning Vietnam and Mama's Boy, uh, Franco Nguyen and uh, Mike Delmont. uh, And I enjoyed both of those. And uh, I found them kind of similar in some ways because they're both shows about uh, very uh, (laughs) unique and funny situations with their mothers. And um, I thought it was kind of remarkable that uh, similar dramatic structure, or uh, similar, not dramatic, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a dramedy, like, uh, is there a word for that? Dramedy? Uh, I think dramedy? you just used it. Yeah. yeah it, it was like, a, they were both structured like a dramedy in that they're funny, but they're both dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they also shared similar lighting cues, which I thought was kind of interesting. Maybe it's the new trope in these kind of shows. Um, but the the scene where they got um, in Franco's show, uh, where he got really angry and he was sort of yelling at the audience, mm, and the like kind of and white the light, light. Went super white light. Yep. That's exactly what happened in Mike's show. Oh, the funny. scene where he was angry and yelling at his mom, and the light got brighter and brighter, and it was bright white. And it's like, oh, hey, I just saw this. <laughs> but not to detract from the show, I thought they were both very good shows. Uh, Mike's, I got all choked up at his piece, and uh, Franco's, I thought it was very interesting cross cultural mm-hmm. piece as well. And great use of multimedia in that one too. Yeah. You know how sometimes video or projection can be used and it can uh, not hinder, but sometimes it's just there for the novelty of it. I didn't find that in Franco's show. I thought that he, um, some of the footage that he grabbed of his mother in Vietnam when he went, uh, kind of returned and learned a new um, perspective or had a kind of whole new view of her and her background, that the video actually really complemented that piece of the story and illustrated it in a yeah. way that, that words alone couldn't do. Yeah, so. and it did bring another level to uh, the presentation we were seeing. I would have loved to have seen that show with uh, a more uh, Vietnamese audience, like with a more Asian-Canadian mm. audience, because I think some of the laughs would have been different right. and uh, some of the jokes would have landed better, but um, I really enjoyed it. I love I loved those cross-cultural stories, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and what a charismatic performer he is, oh, too. Oh, so, so much I don't so. know if he is, if this is one of his kind of first works or not, but I would be really curious to see see where he goes and what he does next, because yeah. I was just completely enthralled with him. Well, I think with both of them having a background in stand-up really helped, mm-hmm. uh, but they really know how to engage and work with an audience as well and tell a good story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So most people know Mike from the God is a Scottish drag queen. Was it different to see him in this in this show? Very vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and a very brutally honest show. Um, you know, still funny, 
Uh, but yeah, very, very hard to sort of reconcile the Mike Delamont that I think most of us see on stage with this very hard upbringing that he had with his alcoholic mother, not just an alcoholic mother, but an alcoholic mother that he ended up putting himself into foster care as a teenager and not telling his friends at school and still going to school every day, but, you know, living with this reality. And it was just pretty shocking to, to hear the story. You know, you, you never really know the stories behind the people you see on stage, but, you know, for someone like Mike that a lot of us know and feel like he's, you know, Part of the group, well, part and of the a family. lot of people knew his mom too. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she was a staple at shows, and yeah. So, um, I, I didn't see it this time around, but I did see the original production, and yeah, it was, it's a very powerful show. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. So. What about the other ones? Um, well, I went and saw Sound of the Beast, Donna Michelle St. Bernard's show. Uh, she's at a theater, Passmarai, in Toronto, mm-hmm. and. Uh, some of us saw um, Only Good Indian at Uno last right. year, which yeah. she co she co created, oh. oh, okay. which was a a very uh, very I'd say a show that a lot of people like loved it or hated it and mm. got people talking. Um, the show I would say maybe less um, polarizing than that one, but still um, pretty unapologetic in its uh, portrayal of what it's like to be a black person and living in Canada and Toronto specifically. And she talks about things like basically being creep, you know, the slow creep when cops mm. are always watching you and just the reality, you know, especially as an activist and she's a spoken word artist and a rapper. And anyway, she, it was, it was quite good. It was a good mix of, uh, of spoken word and hip hop and monologue and just very bare bones set up just her on the stage. I think she had like a milk crate and a hat and a mic and that was it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. It seemed really timely because one of the major focuses was of course on policing and um, the you know, the city just finally approved its police budget after a lot of back and forth. And there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, should we be funding police the way they are, uh, the role of police in communities that kind of thing. I felt like it was a good show for Victoria. I think that a lot of times we don't think that those issues affect us here in this, you know, perfect utopia of a place, but it's not true that it's, um, you know, these are things we should be thinking about here, not just because we don't live in Toronto. Uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It was a little long. Uh, it was like uh, about an hour and a half, no intermission and just her on the stage. So it was um, but she was moving things around quite quickly, moving around the stage quite a bit. Great uh, direction uh, from Andy McKim and Jivesh Paris Ram. Sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing those. And some really good music too, some good uh, beats and stuff. And yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it and I thought it was a, a great show. Interesting, all three of those could uh, easily slot into Uno Fest because they're all mm-hmm. monologue-based solo shows. Yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Donna Michelle St. Bernard was sort of at Uno Fest. Mm-hmm. She she performed uh, one of the performances of Only Good Indian. That was a show oh. where they had a different performer every night. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see hers, but she was one of the performers that did it. So mm-hmm. she was at Uno last year. I find, I don't know, a lot of the Spark shows are stuff that we've seen at Uno before, <laughs> to be fair. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, so and uh, also... Old stock, you guys did all of you see that? I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we saw old I think 
All three of us saw, saw yep. Old Stock, a refugee love story play by um, Hannah Moskovich and Christian Berry. Um, music by Ben Kaplan. It was, I thought it was an incredible show. Mm-hmm. Oh, it I was, loved it. It was my own Jägen of 20. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, a story of a uh, Jewish family, two Jewish families from uh, Romania in the, what was the time period, late, early 1900s, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, making their way to, to Canada. And this sort of parallel story of this couple, um, Hannah Moskovich's great-grandparents. At least, great grandparents? if not great-great, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Great-great-grandparents. Yeah. Trying to remember the timeline. And then parallel to this um, awesome story, musical storytelling by Ben Kaplan, so kind of seemed like two different shows on one stage, but it was, um, I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. I loved it. He's an incredible musician. Mm-hmm. It's this wild, uh, bearded fellow who looks like he could read from any era, and um, he's got a voice like Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and quite the poet. Mm-hmm. And a little bit raunchy too. Like he's got his own flavor. Totally yeah, got yeah. his own flavor, but totally. really I don't know. Something about him is like modern and nostalgic and he really And yeah. ethereal. Like that one yeah. number he did where he was um doing the Jewish prayer it was just mm-hmm. tra- transcendental. Like it just took me away from that space that it could have been any time in the last two thousand mm-hmm. years. It was yeah. just amazing what he did with his voice. Stunning though. voice. And that point where he'd like completely rock out in some numbers and then yeah. just those gentle, like yeah. beautiful poetic moments and yeah. that mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and that's Christian Berry's direction, and Hannah Moskovich's minimalist script was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much said with a look or a gesture or a mm-hmm. little cough or something like mm-hmm. that. It was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of wanted more. Like, I really enjoyed Van Kaplan. I, I love the music and I love the presentation of the whole thing. But I kind of wanted a bit more story, you know? Like, that's true. If that it, couple if, was so endearing, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the realities of what they faced mm-hmm. um, was quite dark and. So their light moments were really precious, mm-hmm. yeah. and I and I thought you know the story was presented so well as a f- story of a family, and you know we all like, many mm-hmm. of us have immigrant families, and I was quite like I cried. I was like, yeah, this is like my Italian family, or I have a Romanian family as well, and just mm-hmm. thinking about the hardships you hear about, yeah. but seeing it acted out. Well, that, so different. Exactly, in that too. I mean, in this case, they um, were coming from the same country, from the same strife, but two totally different perspectives. Where one had lost everything and was looking forward, and the other had, you know, was always planning to return. And, and what you said about thinking about your own family, immigrant, the immigrant stories on both mine and my husband's side are the same thing. Where one um, was hell bent on coming to Canada because that was the land of promise, and another that never quite left the old land behind. Mm-hmm. So it was very relatable, even in, you know, not mm-hmm. in a refugee context. Yeah, yeah, and then just you know, metaphorically, it might have been a story set a hundred odd years ago, but it was very relevant mm-hmm. for what's going on today yeah. in the refugee experience Absolutely. today as well. Definitely gives some compassion to that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that one will come back? The show? 
I doubt it. It's on uh, an international tour. Yeah. I think they're heading mm-hmm. off to Australia. Like, I'd love to Australia. see it again. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. I, it's certainly got legs that they, they could, you know, it was a fairly tight show, mm-hmm. uh, no intermission, about 80, 85 minutes, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could easily stretch it out into a couple of hours and put a, uh, an intermission, intermission in there and make a bit more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, there's something to be said for a nice minimalist show, too. And I love the way everything packed into a box. I was going to say, can we have a minute for the set, set. design? It was yeah. incredible. Show in a shipping yeah. container. Louisa Adamson and Christian Barry again yeah, and just excellent. the attention to detail like the props and every inch of that shipping container was so so well used mm-hmm. to, yeah. to help tell the story so yeah, yeah, yeah that was great um, so Mel and I also saw Pathetic Fallacy by Anita Rashan mm-hmm. and uh, we were both underwhelmed <laughs> <laughs> not, our, <laughs> not our highlight it was one of those shows that sort of tries to do a cerebral techno- technology mix um, playing with um, and different actor each night that is sort of led by these prompts and in front of a green screen and um, only see the playwright on the screen so she's not actually there which just felt like a letdown to me mm-hmm. I don't know it felt like a, almost like a castless show which I guess it was but it just really didn't work the technology I think with technology you have to be really careful to not try to make it gimmicky or or else it becomes like what would you call it like the a fifth wall or something, you know, hmm. it just gets in the way, mm-hmm. and um, and it did, yeah, it sort of lacked heart. Yep. And it and felt like a lecture, not a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I've never been a fan of the lecture play. Mm-hmm. You see that at the fringe a lot, mm-hmm. and it just drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, I guess it's trying something didn't really hit the mark. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but that's what these festivals are all about, right? Yeah. Trying yep. stuff. A little bit of everything. So. Yeah. Well, we yeah. did it. We covered all of spark yeah i didn't see any mini plays this year um the well you said you could only they were like one person <laughs> mini plays <laughs> yeah kevin kerr they were geez. mini mini micro yeah mini yeah plays. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were kevin kerr's two plays was They're one was a one person one was yeah. a two person um but yeah it was just i didn't get the chance to see them so yeah oh well we did pretty well i was too busy drinking wine in the lobby <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie nice. mom's night out you gotta exactly. you gotta take advantage yeah yeah, so some big news in local arts. Uh, Rock the Shores is not happening this year, which is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Langford. Yeah, I mean, it was a fun festival. I yeah. I did kind of have a, like, wonder how they pulled off having Rock the Shores and Backyard so close together mm-hmm. every yeah. year. Like, that must have been... A really brutal time period, yeah. So just for context, it ran 2012 to 2016 every year, and then it took 2017 off, Mm -hmm. and then came back in 2018, and now it's taking 2019 Mm -hmm. off. Uh, Yeah, they haven't officially said it's um, done, but, you know. But, you know, the West Shore could take it up. Anyone could take take that up there with the local connections and do something similar. And we don't see a lot of big shows out there, yet there are venues, so... Yeah. It'd be mm-hmm. great to see that happen. And they're not it's giving any money to the royal. Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> <laughs> got money to burn. Yeah, come on, West Shore. Bring us some 90s rock. Yeah. It's, it's always been a very uh, a mixed bag when it comes to the lineup of Rock the Shores. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a festival that's ever had like a cohesive style of music. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a little bit of everything. And I guess maybe that's their approach, you but know? Definitely rock and roll yeah. focus and some like vintage acts. Real vintage last year with Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Yeah, Yeah. which I think is great. It's just, it's fun summer music, Mm -hmm. you know. I got to see Father John Misty there, so I Mm -hmm. was like, I was, yeah. 
that was yeah. when I was just before I got pregnant. So that would have been 2015. Yeah, and there was that one epic, tragically hit oh, show. Yeah, the lightning mm-hmm. show. With the lightning. Yeah. That was the first year. That was the first it? year yeah. I worked that year. No it was one will terrifying. forget that. I left before they played because the. Um, we were selling beer tickets and they sold out of beer tickets <laughs> and there was just about a riot. And so they shut, shut the bar down. And I was like, I just got to get out of here. Like it was just too much. I was too stressed out and my ride was leaving. And I was like, I would love to see tragically hip again, but I got to go. <laughs> it was intense. Yeah. Well, they say they aren't certain what the future holds for the event. Um, maybe it becomes a biannual event you yeah. know, as, to, mm-hmm. as opposed to every year. Uh, that would be okay too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. yeah, and then the latest in the Royal yeah Royal McPherson Theatre Society, Society yeah. after much public pressure and maybe a, another board meeting. I don't know. I guess they've they're delaying the rental increases um, twice. So yeah. delaying it to twenty twenty. Yeah, mm-hmm. except for Pacific Opera, who gets it delayed to twenty twenty one. Oh, interesting. I didn't get that. Because they've, catch that they've part. got a 40th anniversary season mm. next okay. year, and they've okay. already done their lineup and everything. Yeah. yeah. So they get a, a special bonus delay. So yeah. this solves the rent issue. What about the scheduling issue? Well, that was that was the response from yeah. the Royal... The um, what it, What's the user group called now? The Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Anyway, the, the coalition of groups, Dance Victoria, POV, and the Symphony that regularly use, um, they... Uh, use the theaters they issued a response and kind of basically said that like you know you haven't addressed this other issue basically mm-hmm. so it sounds like still ongoing yeah, yeah. at least time for discussion mm-hmm. and we'll see yeah so so, so in classic victoria fashion nothing is solved <laughs> we're, just, we're just delaying it for we're a just kicking the can <laughs> down yeah, the road we'll come back to it in a bit and we'll People come up said, with a it's and, uh it's Victoria's Brexit. It's either, uh, it's, yeah, Victoria, it's either radio silence in Victoria or everyone's uh, mad. Yeah, so one other thing I just remembered, but it's probably worth mentioning, is that the Hermans is making mm. its last pitch. That's right. I think, speaking of delayed yeah. you yes. know, results, yeah. <laughs> hopefully they can pull it off. So they need to raise another 30-something thousand dollars to meet their $75,000 Mark so that the society, um, Jazz on View can, society can take over Herman's Jazz Club and yeah. keep it going. And um, yeah, and they have until I think the fifteenth of April to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that seventy five thousand dollars will give them a five year lease on mm-hmm. the building. Mm-hmm. So that'll give them buy them some more time to keep yeah. going as well. So I think uh, it's a realistic middle step, you know, rather than trying oh, to raise a million so. bucks, you know, yeah. just try and do seventy five thousand to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. hope they get some big benefactors in there because you know 30 another 30,000 bucks isn't the, that's a lot of money still right yeah if you're thinking of 150 dollar increments yeah so, so but um yeah, yeah. I'm glad they're keeping the dream alive um speaking of keeping the dream alive and day and delays <laughs> um victoria's most famous famous Guy David Foster <laughs> is he the most famous? No, I don't know. He well, thinks he is. Apparently, he was a little upset because the David Foster walkway completion has That's been gone. delayed. Um, he donated fifty thousand dollars of the multi multi million dollar project. <laughs> there have been all sorts of delays. Maybe has... you could say Herman's too then. Oh, I'm <laughs> just gonna say that. He yeah, should yeah. take that fifty grand and give it to Herman. Yeah. The walkway is dead. And we'll call it. 
David Foster Herman's <laughs> David jazz Herman on Foster. beer. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would make more sense. So, so he's sad that the walkway isn't happening? He's sad the walkway is taking quite a while. Because I guess he did donate the money like many years ago, like mm-hmm. 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. So fair enough, you know, that's you want to see that walkway happen. We all do. But um, Let's be redirected to a David Foster bike lane. It is a little <laughs> odd. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> odd that it is called David Foster Walkway. I find it. But I hope that there's some like interactive music stuff. So that if you like... <laughs> <laughs> you can like play some tunes he's worked on. Get the monkey sea guys to like create a totally. musical walkway. Yeah. So you could be a man in motion man, oh. as you go down the walkway. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Because I feel like it will be a letdown if you go to walk down it and it's called David Foster Walkway and there's no music. Yeah. yeah. There's just a sign, yeah. So I really hope... The St. Elmo's Fire theme playing as you approach it. It can be a man in motion. How about about David Foster solves all the problems at once and donates enough money that we get a whole new venue built in the city, which can take the pressure off the Royal and provide a new jazz venue and has a nice walkway out in front. Yeah, that'd be true. If you're listening, David. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure. Victoria, save the arts He's the first person who downloads our podcast when it comes up. Yeah. So, so the only other thing in news that I'll throw out there is um, this weekend coming up, March 29th and 30th at Open Space. It's um, the next phase of their ongoing decolonization process that they've been going through. Shea uh, Chulth, I believe it's called, uh, Decolonizing the Arts in Victoria has been happening all month at Open Space. They've had a series of events, uh, curated events uh, that they've been going on there. And they're inviting people to come for those two days, March 29th and 30th, um, to sort of wrap the whole thing up and uh, really look at the idea of centering Indigenous artists and artists of color in the local arts community instead of having to be added to, you know, make Mm -hmm. them the center of the community as well. So that's in conjunction with Primary Colors, uh, Colors Premier, the Indigenous Arts Collective, Pro Art, and Open Space. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to see that effort continuing. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, and I mean, and France is involved in it, which is interesting in itself. You know, her resignation sort of kicked off yeah. this whole process. So, yeah, I, I saw her name uh, in in there and I was like, oh, well, that's a good sign. I'd it say. is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, John, you caught up with Ingrid Hansen. Yeah, because my friend Facebook told me that uh, <laughs> she was going to be in New York City for the summer working on a project with uh, the Sesame Workshop. And the Sesame Workshop, of course, is the same group who's behind Sesame Street, um, which is, you know, Sesame Street, as we all know Sesame Street. And I didn't know Sesame Street had gone so international. Now they're in eight different countries and multiple languages. Uh, other kids shows they produce, like The Electric Company and uh, Dragon Tales and Pinky Dinky Doo and stuff like that. Is it like called that. like Rue de Sesame? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's things like that. But yeah. they're in Afghanistan and India and the Middle East and Bangladesh and Brazil and South Africa. Like it's pretty cool the way yeah. they really spread around the world. Um, Anyway, so she's in New York City for the summer. Uh, she's working on this new project there. Uh, Ingrid Hansen, for people who don't know the name off the top of their head, is behind such shows and as uh, Kitten Jane, uh, Interstellar Elder, Little Orange Man, mm-hmm. and is the co-artistic director for Snafu Dance Theater here in town. So my obvious first question for her is, can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... You take a very expensive flight from Victoria, and uh, I'm not working on Sesame Street. The company that produces Sesame is working on a new project. 
they're a little bit outside of uh, of Manhattan, um, in this big old uh, big old production studio that's been there for a really long time with big wrought iron gates. So, and the set is gorgeous. I mean, I get to work with some of my heroes who puppeteer on Sesame all the time. So obviously, Sesame Street is uh, pretty much the uh, I would think the the top of the heap when it comes to puppetry, uh, unless you're working with George Lucas Studios or something <laughs> like that. But um, I wondered if uh, Ingrid had watched Sesame Street as a kid as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I don't think I knew that it that being a puppeteer was a job. But if I did, I think I would have wanted that to be my job. My my siblings and I made our own puppet shows when we were kids, and we filmed them on my grandma's giant clunky VHS camcorder. And you know, we had scripts and soundtracks, and and we had brought the neighbor kids over to do our special effects, which was basically pressing play on the ghetto blaster to make the music go, or wiggling flashlights around to be sirens and stuff like that. So she goes from there. Uh, she grows up. Uh, ends up enrolling in UVic at the theater department there, and that's where she was first exposed to serious puppetry. She, in her second year, uh, Ingrid said that she had seen a production by Old Trout Puppet Workshop. They came in and did famous puppet death scenes. Mm. Did anybody remember that seeing? That was a good show. Uh, it was an amazing show. I still remember loving that so mm. much. And it's kind of funny that Ingrid was in the audience as a student and saw that and got inspired. And that was her first exposure to serious puppetry. Uh, and it's kind of funny, too, that uh, Peter Balquell, who's one of the people behind the Old Trouts, uh, is also Phoenix alum. So we've got two of these great Canadian puppeteers now, Ingrid Hansen and Peter Balquell, both came out of there, but neither studied puppetry at UVic. They don't actually teach puppetry mm. at all. Um, but she says working on stage and puppetry and working on TV with puppetry is very different, which I had never thought about before. After I studied theater at UVic, I saw an audition posting for a show that was filming in Victoria, you know, almost nothing gets filmed in Victoria other than Hallmark movies. They were filming this children's television series in Victoria, and I had no puppetry experience other than playing with my toys as a child. Um, and I didn't at all expect to get the job, but I saw this audition posting, and part of the audition posting was a free training workshop with a puppeteer who used to work on Fraggle Rock and Sesame Park. And I thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to get this job, but I want to meet this person and, and I'm going to just experience this audition. And so I went and they hired me and I got to perform um, a lead puppet character on Tiga Talk, produced by APTN, the Aboriginal People's TV Network. And uh, it was just an absolute dream job and they trained us. We did a whole boot camp um, of training. So she's talking there, of course, about Tim Gosley, who, when he moved to town a few years ago, totally uh, revitalized the, the puppet scene in the mm -hmm. city. And uh, it was through working with Tim that she really learned uh, the skills about how to work puppets for TV. Television puppetry is, is a very specific skill set, and it, just, it does take a lot of very specific training. Um, because when you're puppeteering on television, the you're watching a live feed monitor of your performance while you're puppeteering. So you're, you're seeing, you have a little TV screen at your feet or strapped to your chest or on a little stand in front of you, and you're seeing exactly what the camera sees while you're performing, but the image isn't flipped like a mirror image, it's the opposite. Sounds very confusing to me. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. But it's nice. So she, because she has this background uh, working on Tiga Talk and working with him and knowing firsthand how to do this kind of thing, that she had the opportunity for Sesame Puppet Workshop. Um, 
So we were talking just about the resurgence of puppetry in general in popular culture. You think about things like Lion King and Avenue Q on stage, uh, War Horse. Um, King Kong right now is on Broadway. It's a huge puppet version of King Kong that's happening. Uh, the Muppet Show and the Muppet Movies that have come back. Uh, they're doing a sequel to The Dark Crystal now. Mm -hmm. uh, there's that dreadful Happy Time Murders that was on TV. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it, don't go to your way to see mm -hmm. it. Um, so I was just asking you just in general about the, the resurgence of puppetry. Well, I think in the like, mid to late 90s, there was, a re there was a real growth in computer animation. And that took over a lot of things that puppetry had formerly served. And now I think people are realizing that there's a lot of... Um, there's something that's lost when you go completely to green screen and computer animation. There's kind of a deadness to the whole film because everything is shot in green screen and nobody is actually interacting with any of the creatures. Everything is an actor alone in a green room with, with nothing to play off of. Versus when you have performances with puppetry, there's, there's more reality to it. There's more, um, it's much more authentic. I just wanted to know from her what, uh, what is it about puppetry she really loves? When I was a kid, I always wanted to be a cartoon or be able to create cartoons. And it's kind of the animation of live performance. I love working with kids with puppetry because um, I, I've, I've been told that play isn't innate, that children learn how to play. It's not something we necessarily do all by ourselves, like children learn how to play by playing with their siblings or their friends or their parents. And so, and, and so much of what how children learn is that they learn through play. And so if you don't play, if you, if you spend all your time on your iPad, there's a, a lot of essential learning that is lost. And so what I love, I love the way that the artistry of puppetry, when people are, are learning it, it's like often people are re, either adults are relearning how to play, or sometimes children are, are learning how to play for the first time. Um, she's been doing these uh, How to Puppeteer Anything workshops for now, uh, for a while. Let me do that again. Uh, Ingrid's been running these How to Puppeteer Anything workshops for a while now, so uh, I had just just asked her what some of the weirdest things she's brought to life have been. <laughs> oh, God. Uh tampons, sweaters, and, you know, books and shoes, and a room full of paper and cardboard. I did a whole project in this monastery in Prague where there were 20 artists from around the world, and we had four days and a studio full of paper and cardboard and tape, and we created all these massive um, sculptures and giant puppets and costumes exclusively out of paper and cardboard and then perform this big interactive spectacle in the, in the monastery's gardens, like the Franciscan gardens. I've seen the tampon sketch. It was part of an atomic vaudeville thing. Well, she does this <laughs> bit where she, um, she's supposed to do a puppet show and then realizes she doesn't have anything with her, so she's just going through her purse and does a puppet show based on what she has in her purse. Okay. Mm. And it's amazing oh, oh. it's really good well i love that idea of just uh taking a room full of paper and cardboard and bringing it to life that's, yeah that's pretty cool um so she's in new york for the summer uh but her uh company snafu uh, is still busy with uh they've got calling home stories from military families coming up uh, in april mid-april at the metro 
And then they're launching a new show that's set in the Kitten Jane universe. Uh, Rod Peter Jr.'s new show called Chase Breyer, Part-Time Substitute Teacher, Full-Time Canadian Super Spy. And that's going to be a certain fringe festival. <laughs> always one for those titles, <laughs> oh, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I love the idea of expanding the Kitten Jane yes. universe. That's pretty great. Uh, and then she's going to be working on a new project uh, out at William Head this fall as well. Um, but she also there's, but she also said there's a new initiative happening uh, for the local puppet community as well. Uh, a new group called Unima West. Tim and Peter Bockwell from the Old Trout Puppet Workshop, and I think a few others have just launched Unima West. U N I M A. Unima is a not really a is an association, an international association of puppeteers. And we've never had a Western Canada chapter. And finally, it's quite, it's got quite a big presence in Quebec, in Europe. And so finally, Tim and Peter have opened up a Unima West chapter, which is a puppetry association. So any puppet-interested people should definitely join. So she's going to be busy out there, um, but she says it's not going to be all work in New York City. Uh, she'll find out some other ways to uh, keep herself engaged as well. Yeah, we have weekends off, at which time I will be probably like soaking in a bathtub because puppetry builds all sorts of weird muscles that then hurt later. You do some contorting, you do some, uh, yeah, building unusual muscle groups and, and different designs of puppets like different shapes and styles of puppets build different muscles too. So um, I'm going to be working in a new style that is going to present all sorts of really fun challenges that I can't tell you anything about except that I've been working out for the last month and a half trying to get ready. <laughs> Uh, it's always great to see local talent uh, doing well internationally, and it's uh, exciting to see someone like Ingrid Hansen uh, working on this new top secret project with Sesame Workshop. So it'll be exciting to hear what the actual piece is and when we can actually talk about that and see it. Mm-hmm. Great. So, thanks, yeah. John. And thanks, Ingrid. Cool. I love how so many Victorian artists kind of keep their toes in projects here, yet mm -hmm. go off and do stuff. And hear about it mm -hmm. and benefit from their experiences. Great. Cool. So what's coming up? Yeah, what's coming up? Uh, Alan Morgan's got his new show. It's called I Walked the Line, uh, March 27th to 30th at the Intrepid Theatre Club. Uh, it's the latest one from the Other Guys Theatre Company. Um, Alan Morgan, he's an actor. He's been around for years. People might remember his turn at the Belfry. He did a show called I Am My Own Wife. Mm. Um, very familiar face. Uh, I guess this show is about uh, his acting jobs were drying up, so he joined... Uh, got a full-time job in the mailroom of a union headquarters, but then he and his colleagues were locked out by the union management and they had to go on strike. So this show is about his experience of walking the line on strike. Um, Ross Dupre's directing that one. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I like that kind of a show too. Be a lot so. of union supporters out there. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, yeah. Not a yeah. lot of management. <laughs> 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 totally. Um, and also Ben Kaplan um, from Old Stock will be playing his tunes, probably a lot of tunes from the show, at Capitol Ballroom on the 29th, is that Friday? And I saw Foxglove is opening a great... Uh, oh, they're great. opening cool. for Ben. Yeah, oh, that's so great. that's really cool, get like to Fox see them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, Hapax Theatre is mounting um, Daniel McIver's In On It from April 5th to the 13th. They're using the theatre in Canoe space for that. Um, I don't know if anyone's mounted this since the Belfry did it back in 2001. 
And I don't know if anyone's done it locally since then. Uh, I like Daniel McIver's stuff. And uh, Hapax Theater is a group that I <laughs> was totally off my radar, but apparently they've done uh, they've done about eight shows. Oh they no, this is their the seventh fringe. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, saw it. I, quite, I quite liked it. Yeah, the boy yeah. in the Christmas. Yeah, they it got was good, pretty good. Yeah. Best fringe solo show, I yeah, believe it, it was. was. It was good. Yeah. So this is their seventh production that they're doing, uh, and then they're mounting two more for the rest of their seasons. They're doing uh, Nick Payne's Constellations in July, and then they're remounting Janet Munsell's be still in november which hmm. is a beautiful show and again was only mounted that once um during the belfry's old festival oh what was it called uh, the old festival <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it was called under where yeah mm-hmm. great what else is coming up there's all sorts of stuff we got a lot we're gonna save some of the later april next stuff because yeah. there's a lot everyone's like end of this art season push starts like mid-april so yeah. and we've been talking long enough i think yeah <laughs> almost out of bubbly water oh yeah well uh thanks to ingrid hansen for chatting with us yeah and, thanks, ingrid. Appreciate yeah um thanks to everyone for listening as usual check the program yyj at gmail.com uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, check the program. And until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. I'm John Thrillfall. And don't forget to check, check the, the program. program.